Amen. Amen. So let, let's talk about it. Guarding your heart. And you know, if some of you guys, if you ever, uh, if you've lived long enough, you heard the old adage that says, just follow your heart. I mean, and you've heard that before, but you know that if you just follow your heart, your heart will take you to places that you don't ever, that you never intended to go. Your heart in and of itself, we talked about in the last few weeks, is evil. Matthew 7 and 21 says, for it is from within, out of a person's own heart, that evil thoughts come of sexual immorality, theft, murder, and things of that sort. In Jeremiah 17 to 9, it even goes on to say that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can even understand it? And then in Proverbs 22 and 15, it says, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, right? Foolishness, right? It's found in the heart of a child. So just going by that old adage that says, follow your heart, if you're not careful as a born again believer, we can't just follow our heart if our heart has not been renewed, if our heart has not been cleaned, if God has not created in us a new heart. So we do not live by that adage to follow our heart. What we do is say, God create us in a new heart. And once we have that new heart, that's the heart we gotta follow. We don't need to follow the heart of the flesh. We don't need to follow the heart of our, our grandmother and grandfather if they went in the Lord. We got to do what the Lord has said because just following your heart in and of itself will lead you to disaster. And what we got to understand is that as much as God loves us, he will not just purify our heart without our participation. And so we know we've seen scriptures. I got saved. My, my hands were new. My feet were too. And you do all of this stuff. And God says, I created you a clean heart, but in creating in you a clean heart, it requires your participation. The same way as salvation required your participation, creating a new heart within you requires your participation. It requires purification is required through your faith and you through your faith. It requires your involvement and it requires your activity, right? So God wants to create in you a new heart, but if you won't let him, he can't do it right? Salvation. God wants everybody in this world saved, but if everybody doesn't accept him to, as Lord and believe in their heart that Christ raised him from the dead, then they can't be saved, right? So I got to confess with my mouth. I got to believe in my heart. And that's how important your heart is because that's where believing takes place. On Sunday, Pastor Sean stated, she's like, she was talking to God about being wise and making, she wants the wisdom of God and things like that. And she said something about her mind. And she said, God told her that wisdom is in the what? In her heart. And that's what you got to understand. Your heart is always thinking. You can go back and listen to part three. We go through all of that. Your heart is always thinking. Your heart is always listening. And so what we got to do is guard our hearts, all right? So coming to church, some of you are like, well, Pastor Rap, I come to church. You know, coming to church doesn't make you, I mean, any more a car, uh, uh, a car than standing in the garage, right? If I go stand in the garage, just because you're standing there doesn't mean you're a car. Just because you come to church doesn't mean you're a Christian. Just because you come to church and sing on the praise team doesn't even mean that you obey the word. Just because you're a greeter, usher, just because you teach the word doesn't mean you even apply the word that you are teaching. And so the Bible says in Isaiah 29, 13, it says, the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips. But what? What does he say is away from me? Their hearts are far away from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. And we talked about last week about all of those traditions of men, right? And we don't have time to go through that. 
But so many times we're not worshiping God. We're not obeying God. What we're obeying is traditions of men. We, we're so caught up in wearing the right clothes or not wearing makeup or wearing makeup or, or not going to the club or going to the club or, or not doing this or doing this all because of religious tradition. And we're not concerned about what God is currently saying to us to do, what God's word is saying for us to do. So he says, so yeah, you come and you serve in the ministry, but your heart ain't mine. You come and you pray on the prayer team, but your heart ain't mine. You come and you sing worship to me, but your heart ain't mine. God says, I want your heart. And he says, I give you the ability to get that new heart so that you can serve me with the fullness of it. And so that's why he says in Acts 15 and 9, he says, he did, I did not discriminate between us and them. He purified their hearts by what? Their faith. So how are we going to purify our hearts? We're going to purify our hearts by faith. Why? Because Christ has dwells in our hearts through what? Faith. That's Ephesians 3 and 17. Christ dwells in our heart through faith. So if I want God to live on the inside of me, I got to do that by faith. I got to be rooted and grounded in his love. I got to have an active role in my heart renewal. Right? It's not like when you go to, if I had heart surgery, you go, they put you on an anesthesia. You don't participate in that, right? They give you a brand new heart and they connect all your arteries and they make sure everything works. Well, in the body of Christ, God says that, hey, I will purify your hearts by your faith. That means we got to participate. That means it requires our effort. That means it requires our willingness and our submission and our action. We must accept him and give God permission to create in us a clean heart. Lord, I know I love doing X, but X isn't what pleases you. So God, I'm going to surrender my desire to do X. X may be shopping. X may be uh, not starting the business. X may be watching too much TV. Because I ain't talking about the big sins. Y'all always talk about drugs, sex. I'm, let's talk about the stuff that really impacts some of us. I mean, uh, in a sense that not that people ain't out there having sex, not that people ain't fornicating, not that that's not happening. X may be the fact that you want to stay on a job that God told you to leave. X may be the fact that you want to live in a city where God told you to stay in. Anytime I choose not to obey God, what it does is slowly separates and removes me. It Doubt enters, disobedience occurs, and then what happens is I begin to have to be responsible for my own life. And it hardens my heart. Uh, I play football, right? And when we played football, we had two-a-day practices in the summer. Coach would make us run the same play over and over and over again. He did that because he wanted us to be able to respond in a crisis situation when it's fourth and goal, it's two seconds on the clock, everybody's tired because it's the fourth quarter, the game is on the line, and he calls a play Muscle memory comes in. Your subconscious automatically begins to recall the information because you practiced it so much. That same thing happens with disobedience. When you spend time disobeying God, what you're doing is rewiring your brain. You're rewiring your heart, and it becomes easier and easier and easier. And sometimes you find yourself so reprobate. You find yourself so carnal. You find yourself so act out there. You're like, how did I get there? 
Every act of obedience, I mean, disobedience hardens your heart and makes the next, next act of disobedience easier than the previous one. But guess what? The same thing applies to the word of God. Every time I obey the word of God, it makes obeying the word of God easier the next time. So that's why it's important that we do what? We guard our hearts. Why? Because guarding our heart, we talked about, impacts every aspect of our lives. Proverbs 4 and 23 says, above else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Not some of the things, everything. Not most of the things, everything. Lord, why do I always, why is my picker broken, God? Why every time I go to get in a relationship, I choose the wrong boo? Because it's in your heart. You attract, you attract what's in your heart. Like, like, like. Listen, I like sweets, right? But ain't nobody bringing me a coconut cake because that's not in my heart, right? I, I don't I don't want that. I can walk by a coconut cake all day long and it will not be attractive to me because it's not in my heart. But man, if you throw down a German chocolate, a carrot cake, man, Italian cream cake, any of those type things, why? It's in my heart. I desire those things. Some Texas Roadhouse rolls with honey butter. You know, those things like that, that's in your heart. That's why you're attracted to them. So your heart could be a good indicator where you need to spend time in the word. So when you find yourself being attracted to, to, to fornication, when you find yourself being attracted to drugs, when you find yourself being attracted to disobeying God and what you what seems like seemingly small things, you got to ask the Lord, okay, God, I got some things in my heart. When it's hard for you to receive money, because and that, that's an indication of your heart, that you need to spend more time talk, uh, reading the word on why did God want me wealthy? Is it some, Is that true? Does God want me wealthy? Does God want me to have more month, money than I have month? Does God want me to have excess? Is it okay to have excess? Why does this feel so, so icky, God, when, when somebody gives me money? That ickiness is in your heart. And so what we got to do, which is going to be the first way of guarding your heart, you got to spend time studying the word. Because in studying the word of God, it helps you to understand the exact things which you should believe, the exact thing you should do, the exact way you should operate, right? But I want you to really watch what's in your heart because if you take the time to be like, okay, I always find myself being attracted to this sin, right? This thing. It's something in your heart that desires that. And so then you go back to God. Okay, God, uh, where did this come from? Because sometimes you have things in your life that are generational, right? I mean, you got, I mean, I'll be honest. I didn't know anybody in my family that uh, that had uh, met, was married before they ever had kids. Like that was just something. Everybody fornicated. It was it was acceptable. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. I'm gonna tell you about my life because that way I want to be upset with y'all. And so before you know it, you find yourself like, why am I so? Why is this it? And then when you begin to look at it, your mama, your grandma, her mama, everybody, everybody in the lineage was out here just living, living however they want, like whatever their desire was. That's it. And so sometimes you find yourself in situations that you, I mean, it was, it's on you because it's on your gen generation. And so you got to back up and say, okay, God, I, I see this. I see this attraction to this thing that's wrong. 
Now I want to not do this. Father, I thank you for Holy Spirit. All right. I thank you for all the, I mean, I thank you for a team. We'll talk about guarding your heart in a second. With, we, I thank you for all these things so that this thing is broken. And I thank you for your Holy Spirit that gives me the ability to overcome temptation. I thank you for that. Right. I thank you for that. And so when you do that, then you have the ability to overcome things. So don't just look over your heart and look over your sin. Examine your life. Be metacognitive about the things you are disobedient in towards God, because that's an indication of somewhere you need to spend time in the word of God so that you can counter the things that you currently believe. Right. Poverty was one of them. All right. Sexual immorality for me was one of them. Those are all things I had to counter. For me, the other thing I had to counter was uh, low self-esteem. I had to counter that. Why do you feel that way? Why? Because I was a pleaser going up. And so don't just discount what's in your heart. When you look at your life, you got to look at it and say, oh, man, this is why I was doing that. Why? Because I taught y'all when I taught the power of imagination, I taught you about the five things that's occurring in your thinking, right? You're always receiving information and all of the information that you're receiving uh, is impacting you. Your, your, your brain and your heart is always downloading information. So even in your childhood, you were downloading information. As you saw money come in and out of your parents' life, you were downloading information. As you saw their relationship or the lack of a relationship, you were downloading information for your life. You are determining how relationships will look in your life. Your brain and your heart are always in receiving mode. That's why it's important to guard your heart so that what goes in it is kind of, it's a fence, right? I can determine what goes in my heart by where I spend. I don't spend my, spend my time at the strip club, right? Because I ain't trying to have that in my heart. I don't spend my time uh, watching pornography all day. Why? Because that ain't what I'm trying to have in my heart, right? I don't spend my time gambling and doing those things. Why? Because there are some basic things you can do to guard your heart. And some of them is taming your environment which is going to be one of the steps, all right? So after you receive their information, because your brain and your heart is always working, you got to now analyze those thoughts. Your, your heart is always analyzing, right? It's like, okay, I got this information. What's the source of this information? Is this is the source of this information good or the source of this information is bad? And honestly, a lot of us have gotten messed up because we considered the source of the information good, being grandma, big mama, being papa, being dad, being mom. The source was good, but the information they gave you was bad. Because some of your daddies told you, boy, just wear a condom, going out there and do your thing, right? That 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 was just that daddy is a good man, but the, the, that wasn't good information. And so as, as a kid, if you weren't careful, what you did, you took information from seemingly good people that was ungodly information, but you took it to heart to be true, right? So you accepted the information in your heart instead of rejecting that information. And because you accepted it in your heart to be true, now your life has been built around the wrong information. And so let me tell you, baby, you're not broken. You just need to be rewired. You're not you, you, I mean, you're not trash. You just need to be renewed, right? Because we've all got that thinking and it came from people who we seemingly thought that were of value. So we took it and accepted the information because we considered the source to be good. But tell your neighbor, all, all good people don't give good information. 
That's why FOC, we believe in teaching the word. You go back in your own Bible and you fact check anything that we tell you based off the scripture that you receive. Why? Because we don't want people just ignorantly following anything that we say. And then if we say something that's wrong, we come back and we apologize because, I mean, we're human and sometimes we miss it, right? So your brain is always in receiving mode. Number one, your brain is always analyzing information and de de determining the source of that information. Once it knows the source of that information, then your brain decides or your heart decides to accept or reject that information. And that's why I said that sometimes we are broken because we're, we're, we are accepting information that should be rejected. But because we respect the source of that information, then we accept it anyway. But listen, every... In, Every bit of information you get should always be compared to the word. The word is the source, right? Everything. I love Pastor Evan and Pastor Sean, right? I'll follow them to the moon if that's where they go, as long as they follow God, right? So, I, but Pastor Evan decided that he wanted to go do his own thing and, and, and go live according to his flesh. Though he would probably still remain a friend, then I can't follow him spiritually. I got to have a divide there. So, so many of you are not willing to cut off people. You're not willing to cut off friends. You're not willing to cut off relationships that are no spiritual good to you, right? God isn't asking you to be involved with people who are no spiritual good for you, right? That's your flesh telling you to stay there. That's not God. Now, God will tell you to minister to them, but you're not trying to minister to them. You're trying to kick it. You're not trying to spread the word and grow them up. You're trying to be just like them because your environment is always working on you. And so after accepting or rejecting the information, your heart then replaces that information, right? But because we were young, a lot of us didn't have any information to replace. We were just, we were tabula rosa. We were blank slates. So we we're just getting filled with information. And because the information was being filled with us, that's now why you are an adult still struggling with things because as a kid or as a young adult somebody said something somebody did something you gave your virginity away they hurt your feelings because they told you that they'll love you forever and now you still broken now oh now you think you like somebody because somebody else didn't uh didn't like you all men are bad because just one man broke your heart you know, th that type of thinking, right? That's where, that's where that's where people go based off what's happening, right? But we got to replace that those thoughts. And then after replace, we got to renew our mind. We got to spend enough time in the word that the information not only becomes things that we know, but things that we apply. We got to be hearkened to the word, both hear and do, right? So that was the process of how information is filtered through our hearts and our minds. And so here are the five steps of guarding our heart, right? Here are the five steps of guarding our heart. Number one, make studying the word a priority. I mean, if you just do this one, you'd you, you be pretty good, right? The word must become your source for information. The word, that's why it matters where you go to church, right? The word, I mean, the, it, listen, I'll be on Facebook. And, and I and I and I do, I got to do better. I don't do much posting, but I do a whole lot of reading. And what I will tell you is this: it is a lot of misinformation out there. I mean, you can go to you can find a church that'll tell you 
it's okay to have sex before marriage. You need to test drive that thing because what if you don't like it, right? You can find your church to say that. You can find your church to say, oh, no, not tithing. No, that's that's old. That's not important. That's old test. You can find your church to say that. You can find your church to say theft is okay. You can find your church that says, I said homosexuality is okay. You can find your church to say all that is okay, but the word must be your source. It gotta, it has to be your God. So the number one thing to, to uh, guarding your heart is making the word a priority. Your heart is always receiving. That's why studying the word of God, listening to the word of God and discussing the word of God will position you to have a constant input of the word. The whatever I have, whatever is my most dominant input is going to be the way I respond. And so if the dominant input, and that's why coaches always have you do stuff repetitively. That's why coaches, that's why God says, study the word, but what? Day and night, right? That's why he says, observe to do accordingly to everything that's written therein. That's why he says, to study to show yourself approved. The word has to be your final authority. You got to analyze and process what the word is saying. You got to compare it against what you already experienced. So for me, I had to say, you know what? I experienced in life poverty. I experienced in life always renting and never owning. I experienced in life spending all my money because I didn't want a bill to come up and I not, I mean, and I not got to enjoy it, right? Some of y'all do that now. If you tell the truth about yourself, you get paid and you spend your money and you enjoy, you ball out while you got that money on Friday. Because you're like, man, a bill coming, so let me go ahead and do what I want to do. And then when the bill comes, now you're calling the church and everybody else for help because you took what was yours and did it for the thing that you wanted to do. Why? Because it's not necessarily that you just out there just trying to be rebellious and trying to be uh, crazy. Is that that's how you saw things grow up. But let me tell you, when you get new information, you need to analyze that information. You need to compare that information with what the word says. And then you need to begin to have, you need to be open to releasing bad ways of thinking. For the believer, it's bad to believe that you have to be broke. It's bad to believe that you have to be without. It is bad to believe that you have to be in lack in any area of your life. That's not godly thinking. But if you're receiving the information, you analyze the source, you accepted that information, but you don't allow it to replace the old information, then your heart is still not guarded. You're going to continue to do what you've been doing because you didn't kick out of you didn't kick out doubt and unbelief and replace it with faith. And what the word has said. It says. If you've been seeing sickness for 30 years of your life, you may find it hard to believe healing is possible. But it is. Contrary to popular belief, here's the thing. Just because you don't believe it doesn't mean it is it doesn't exist. For one, for some people still believe the world's flat. I mean, you don't, I mean, that doesn't mean the world is flat. Just because you believe that you should be broke, that's nothing believe, that doesn't mean that's what the word says. Just because you believe that if I you get an illness, that, that you got to just deal with it. That's not what the word says. So you can't let life experiences be your Lord. All right, go ahead and type that. Say, I will not allow life's experiences to be my Lord. The word is my Lord. God is my Lord. Why? 
because life will give you experiences that will cause you to doubt what God is saying. Life will give you experiences that are that will be totally contradictory to everything that God wants for your life. God, I mean, I know grandma and grandpa and uncle and aunt and even your mom and dad. I know they didn't have a good marriage, but that's not the that's not what the truth says. The truth says if I follow God and I marry the person that he has graced me to marry, then our marriage can be whole. I don't ever consider divorce with April. That's who God told me to be with. I'm like, I'm good. Now, are there rocky times? My God, yes. There have been times where I've done crazy stuff, she done crazy stuff. And then when you have kids, that's a whole nother thing with craziness, right? But but you don't depart from what you know to be true. Why? Because I don't let a life experience, a life experience cause me to doubt God. Yeah, it's a fact that marriage is, you have, you argue in marriage, but the truth is that we got a great marriage. It's a fact that sickness exists in the world, but the truth is you're healed. And so when we make studying the word a priority, it guards our heart so that the thing that flows out of our heart, right? We're talking about the heart-mouth connection. So when our mouth speaks, it's going to speak what's in abundance. So I just can't study the word today and then not study it the rest of the week. I just can't study the word for a week and then not study it the other three weeks in a month. I got to study and I just can't study the word like Pastor Edwin studies the word. I can't study the word like Sid studies the word. I can't study the word like Pastor Chris studies the word. I got to study the word until what the thing, the issue that I'm facing is no longer present. And what I see is the abundance of God in my heart. So many times we want to, oh man, uh, Pastor, Pastor Sean says she get up at five o'clock in the morning and pray. Well, I'm going to do that. Did the Lord tell you to do that? Like, like, are, is that your grace? Is that you following God? Because imitate, now we're supposed to all read the word, but the amount of time it takes me to overcome a poverty mindset would probably be a little different than what it takes a Kardashian. Why? Because the way they've seen money come in and out of their life was a lot different than me getting that little $52.50 child support check, going to the grocery store with grandma, buying enough food for Monday through Thursday. And then on Friday was the one day we get to eat out, right? Their life looked a little different. And so the way that money flows in and out of a person's life also impacts their ability to receive things, right? And so if you didn't receive a lot growing up and things like that, then it's hard for you to receive now. But that's crazy because if you call yourself a sower, then you should also call yourself a reaper because they are one and in the same, right? So number two, guarding your heart. You got to pray and don't wear. You got to pray and don't wear. Prayer is communication. Hearing God is essential to being able to live successfully. Hearing God for yourself is essential to being able to live successfully. That's why I got to say, okay, God, I know uh, this is how Pastor Edwin made it to a six-digit salary, Father. How do you want me to get there? Now, why? When we're in faith, we got a role model, right? We get a role model. Okay, God, this is what my role model did. How do you want me to get there, right? Because when we're praying, prayer, it, pray, prayer is just not requests made to God. Prayer is communication with God. It's a place where I develop intimacy, with God. It's a place that he talks to me and give me, gives me instructions. And so when I pray and don't worry, that's a way of guarding my heart. Why? Because it get God through prayer gives me strategies and insight on how I need to navigate life. Also, when I pray and don't worry, worry is like a prior bar, right? 
and you, we do we already know where is sin right you know sin that that's a sin to worry right uh and what it does wary is wary when we worry uh it begins to erode our faith and it's gradual right just about doubt it's both gradual and so what what happens is you're like okay god i thank you father that i'm healed and so and, you, and you're in there studying uh healing scriptures and you're confessing with your mouth but in your heart you're like man but what if it don't work out in your heart you're like yeah and you up here planning okay let me what's going to do if, if this happened and so all of these things are happening and you're saying with your mouth but in your heart your heart is making plans for the end your heart is making plans for disaster because in your heart you really you're wearing you prayed about it but you haven't given it over to god and so when you do that you open your heart up to worry you open your heart up for, to doubt you open your heart up to unbelief and then because of that then the attacks of the enemy can enter in and out of your mouth will come the thing that's contrary to the kingdom because you let a little wary enter into your heart all right so spending time in the word will allow you to trust god going back to spending time in the word will allow you to trust god uh it was a good, and here's an example uh because i'm still high off the 50th uh when we was planning for the 50th right uh, past Evan's 50th birthday, the team was together talking about how we would do things, right? And so as we was talking about how we would do things, uh, uh, we were saying this and that, and then we put in, I was like, yeah, I said, at this point, I said, this is what's going to get him. I said, when he look at this, because I mean, I spent 20 years, how many years, 20, 21 years almost with them. I like, when he looks at this, then this is going to impact him because I know how he's wired because he loves I mean, when he sees the time and commitment, and so we did something and put it in a little box, and then it did exactly what we thought it would do. Why? Because we spent 20 years with him. We've been intimate with him. And so through intimacy, we're able to do the exact things, and it resulted in almost the exact reaction that we thought would have, right, based off our knowledge of him. So when you begin to spend time with God, it isn't that we're studying the word of God for God's sake. We're studying the word of God for our sake. So as I begin to study God, I'm able to trust God more because I'm able to trust him more because I spent time with him. The things that he told me are tried and true. If he, he told me that, Raph, if you just do this, I'll do this. I've seen that. It's tried and true. I, I, when God told me that just believe him concerning this job, it and I spent time with them as tried and true. That's why the seemingly small things are so important because it gives you the opportunity to develop trust in God. I know you like, well, God, why are you telling me to wear the red shirt today? You wear the red shirt today and somebody come up to you like, man, you know what? God told, I mean, you know what? Uh, I was sitting at home today and, and God told me to come up to somebody who come up with a red shirt and pay for their coffee, right? You thought the red shirt didn't mean anything, but now you're like, oh man, I hear God. Man, I, I, I mean, it, it's the seemingly small things, right? I, I hear God. Now your confidence grows the next time God says something. But then when God says something contrary to what you want, you, you now have enough history with God to say, you know what, when he told me to wear the red shirt, you know what, when he told me to plop the job, you know what, when he told me to do this, all of it worked to my favor. Though I don't want to break up with Boo, I'm going to do it because everything else God has done has worked in my favor. Why? 
because I develop intimacy with them. So small things do matter, all right? Number three, tame your team. Your environment is always at work on you, all right? Your environment is always at work on you. You can go listen to any message from 2021, and we almost talk about taming your team and all of them. So I'm not even going to spend time on here. But I will give you a basic, very, very elementary rule. You can avoid a lot of temptation and setback by setting boundaries. All right. I'm a married man. I have no business being in a place with a whole bunch of single women who want a man. I, I, I mean, why? What, what's my purpose there? Right? Oh, I'm there to minister to them. Okay, God, Chris, Pastor Chris, you come with me? You know, I right, said you come with me? Like, sometimes we just set ourselves up for failure. Like, that's practical. Avoid temptation by setting boundaries. And your team going to help you set boundaries, right? That's why I love my God group. Like, we we funny, we laugh a lot, but we got boundaries, right? We pull each other in when somebody comes out. But you ain't you ain't never wanted to open up nobody to nobody. And that's the other practical thing about taming your team. Some of y'all scared to build authentic relationships. You got to have a few trusted relationships to allow you to completely open your heart to others and be vulnerable. You don't want to be vulnerable to nobody. And your lack of vulnerability, your lack of openness doesn't allow you to be seen by anybody because if you look at, I think it's called Bahari's window, there's this thing called unknown self, right? And there's a part of you that you, about you that you don't even notice yourself, right? And so your team is able to identify some of those blind spots in your life. Like, hey, say it, mm -mm, mm -mm, say it, you need to, you need to bring that one in. You, you got to do that different, right? Or, or I mean, and, and any of the guys, we are we have authentic relationships, right? And they real. We we everybody's open to joning, right? Everybody's open to being talked about and, and being laughed at, but also everybody's open to correction from the other individuals within that. But what happens is the enemy tries to get you to think that you don't need authentic relationships, that you can do this all by yourself. And, people, and the problem is you don't got anybody to call you out. You don't got anybody you trust to call you out. Your circle's so small. Or you don't got a circle. You got a period. It's just a dot. It's you. And you don't see your own issues because they're yours sometimes. All right, number four, obey God. There it is, two words, do it. Obey God when you feel like it. Obey God when you don't feel like it. Show enough, obey God. That's the point. That's how you guard your heart. Ephesians 6, 5 and 6 says, Bun service, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with eye service, right? As man pleases, but as bun service, doing the will of God from where? From your heart. So when I guard my heart, it makes it easier for me to be obedient. It makes it easier for me to be obedient. Why? It's easy to be obedient if you are alcoholic that don't and you set up a boundary, right? That don't put yourself around alcohol. Like if you come to my house and you're alcoholic, hey, you you ain't gonna have no issues over here, right? But if you go down there to Chili's, right, and you sit there doing happy hour at the bar, then now you gotta contemplate doing the right thing. So be basic, all right? I ain't going to have to probably say that again, but be basic. Set boundaries for your life, all right? Number five, you got to refute, refute doubt. 
Doubt creeps in slowly and separates you from God. Doubt undermines your faith. Matthew 21 and 21 says this way. Jesus answered and says to them, Verily, verily, I say to you, if you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, it'll be cast into the sea, it shall be done. So how do I guard my heart? I refute doubt. I come against doubt by doing what? By having faith. How do I have faith? Faith comes by the hearing of the word of God. So I have to do what? Number one, make the word a priority. All right. And lastly, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. I got to refute doubt. I can't let doubt enter my life. So it goes back to analyzing. The moment doubt, okay, God, I thank you that I'm healed. Now doubt creeps in and says I'm not healed. I go back to step one. I study the word. I receive the word. I analyze the word. I accept the word to be true. I respect, I replace doubt with what the truth of the word. And then I renew that word over and over and over again until it is the new thing that has root in my heart in abundance. And now my heart speaks with confidence that I am the heel of the Lord. Therefore, I see manifestation of healing, right? So those are the five ways that we uh, guard our heart. Number one, we study that we make the word a priority. We study the word. Number two, we pray and we don't worry. Number three, we tame our team by doing what? Setting basic boundaries and establishing authentic relationships. Number four, we obey God, period. And number five, we refute doubt. So those are the five ways as we wrap up this series that we uh, that we guard our heart. And there's so much to the heart-mouth connection. I encourage you guys to spend some time understanding how your heart is impacting your life, right? Understanding, thinking about the way you think and also watching the, the things that you're drawn to, right? Because why? From the from everything flows, all issues flow out of your heart. So if I monitor what's in my heart and I see where I'm going, then if I change my heart, I can go somewhere else. Why? Because my heart will be attracted to something different, all right? So I love you guys. You guys be blessed. We went over the announcements. Once again, I go through them rapid fire. Friday, 6.30 a.m. Champion Circle. Sunday, 9 a.m. Pastor Chris and Elder Valley on the keys for worship. Followed by Pastor Sean and Pastor Edwin at 9.30. Then on Monday, we have strategies for success for Pastor Sean. On Tuesday night, we have prayer. All right. And then on Wednesday, you have Ignite. And then Victory Zone, of course, is on demand. And I'm looking forward to all of the responses I'm going to get for those who want to have a desire to uh, be a Victory Zone teacher. All right. If I get enough of them, I may just do one group Zoom. We'll go through it all that way. And then uh, also, you know, uh, Wednesday, uh, we have Ignite and then we have Refresh Bible Study. Uh, make sure that you guys give tonight. Uh, you can give by going to flcchurch.com. You can give by going, downloading the uh, app, Givelify, Push, Pay, or Tidly. Uh, and you can give by text to give, or you can give via PayPal. All right. If you desire to give in any of those manners, please govern yourself accordingly. And know that FOC, we have 100% tithers. All right. Uh, it's not too early to go ahead and start giving into the scholarship fund. You know, go ahead. I mean, we got we got a huge class coming up. All right. So it's not too early to get to sow that seed. You're like, well, why would I sow into the scholarship fund? 
Why? Because what you make happen for others, you make God may happen for you. I'm sowing that seed because I got three little kids. I'm sowing because I want to help. I'm sowing because God has given seed to the sower. But I'm also sowing because when my three get up, I want to be able to uh, ask God for a recompense, a harvest off that seed sown so that they get their school and pay for in full. So I sow what I want to harvest. So some of y'all need to sow kindness along with your money. Some of y'all need to sow forgiveness along with your money, right? Some of y'all need to sow patience along with your money. But sow into that. Make sure you're sowing, um, you're giving your tithe, you're giving your offering, and then ask God. Every day I wake up, I look for opportunities to sow, right? So ask God, hey, God, what do you want me to do for somebody today, right? Because that's why, because some people are like, man, it seems like something always good happened to you. You know why? Because I'm always making something good happen for other people. It's not rocket science. Sow what you want to harvest, right? So you guys be blessed, all right? You guys be blessed, all right? I love you. Govern yourself according to the announcements. Once again, thank you so much for rocking out the 50th birthday. Uh, man, I, I, just, I just look forward to doing life with y'all. Y'all are the best set of partners and friends. You know, because some of y'all weren't even partners and friends that the world could ever ask for. And so thank you for being a part of FOC. And I'm telling you, if you're not a part of FOC, you want to be, right? You you may not even know you want to be, but you want to be. So run over at focchurch.com, go on down there to where it says virtual partnership and become a partner today. All right. And so our ministry, so that our ministry team can get you the information that you need. All right. So love you. Like I said, remain great. I mean, be grateful uh, and remain hungry, right? Be grateful, remain hungry, right? Be grateful. God, I thank you for all the things you've done for me. But you know what? I'm still hungry for the fullness of the abundance you promised me, that John 10 and 10 type life, right? Don't get satisfied with middle class. Don't get satisfied with making six digits once you get there. God, where are we going next, right? I'm grateful, but where do you want us to go now? Because until you can give to every good work and charitable donation, you still got growth to have, period. So, all right, be blessed. Bye-bye.